Today is December 16th, 2022, and we welcome you to our Chapter 49 podcast. We try to make it a weekly podcast, but we're heading into the holiday season, so uh, we are going to take a little break for the holiday, and we'll talk more about that later on here. In fact, we'll probably talk about that right away, but my name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer for Chapter 49. I deal with communications, which for the most part is this podcast, so we're very glad you chose to join us. Uh, We will, uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president, who also, of course, is a regular um, member of this this podcast team, uh, you are going on your normal use or lose leave, so you will be away from the office for a while. Yeah, as of uh, late this afternoon, Larry, uh, I'm out for the rest of the year. So because uh, I can, you know, we can only carry over so many hours, and I'm at that limit. So we will not have another podcast, and we won't commit to it, but it'll be sometime in early January, I would assume. We will we'll have our next podcast then. So right now, I just want to say, Duncan, that we did, you know, talked about Harry and Meghan last time. All six episodes have now. Uh, been uh, uploaded and are available on on Netflix, and I gave I just did a review on this and I gave it an A grade. I really do think it's worth your while. It's six episodes; they're just they're under an hour each. I think the last one was a little over an hour. Uh, if you have any interest in this whole royal family dust up, uh, it's it's of great interest, and it is their story. It is not an unbiased look at it. They make that pretty clear. But Duncan, I, I I'm glad to hear that you know. This being in the forefront, this all this this uh, media attention given to the royals has allowed you to up your security because I know since this podcast started, you you have some real media interest and in, in the paparazzi are right outside your door. Yeah, it's it's become a, a pretty big problem for myself and my awesome girlfriend uh, Kim, and you know we just have to try and avoid the as you said the paparazzi all the time. They, you know, they hide out in the bushes. It's, it's just awful. This, this price of famous. I'm sure you're having to deal with. Oh, I keep, and, I, uh, no, I, I, I keep, I keep, well. I keep a low profile, Duncan. You know that. <laughs> 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 to the extent possible, I try to keep a low profile. Sometimes that's not so easy. Well, let's get into our issues for this final podcast of, of 2022. And surprise, we have. An uncertain, no, I won't say uncertain, but an undecided budget. What I understand, we have a continuing resolution. And on the day we record this, on the 16th of December, uh, the president now has uh, either going to his desk or at his desk on one-week extension for a continuing resolution. The leaders of Congress say they have a deal. It's called, and I love this word, omnibus, an omnibus deal. That means you just wrap the whole budget into one big, gigantic package. Problem is, and our National Union has told us this, um, we know there's a deal. We don't know what the deal is. Nobody has released any numbers as to what this deal is, correct? That is absolutely correct. There's, they've apparently come to a top-line number, but they haven't figured out exactly what's going to be to each agency, which I would think would be how you came with that top line number, but that's just me. Well, and, and that the fact is, yeah, you're right. They, they, okay. Here's how much we're going to spend generally, how much we're going to spend specifically, which is what a budget process is supposed to do. But Duncan, I cannot remember a year where the Congress went through what they call regular order. 
I remember uh, talking to Lee Hamilton, who visited Fishers, and I knew him when he was a congressman, when I was a news reporter in Columbus, Indiana. He represented that area for a long time. And he used to talk about regular order. They used to have it back in those days in the late 70s, early 80s. Now it's like nobody can agree on things. So you, you don't, I don't think the Senate had one committee hearing on any budget. The House did, but the Senate never even got to it. So you just wrap the budget into one gigantic bill. And I, not the best way to run a railroad. No, it certainly isn't. It's, and it reminds me, there's a quote I love to use from a gentleman named Andrew Brandt, who used to be a sports agent, then who was an executive with the Packers. Now he's a uh, visiting professor and he does a podcast. And it's it's very eloquent to me, but absolutely correct. Deadline spur action. And they're coming up against this deadline of the 16th, so they're doing another week. They've said they've got the numbers together, so these poor staffers in D.C. are going to have to spend their entire weekend getting everything together so they can try and get this voted on and done before the 23rd. I will remind our viewers and listeners that even if there is a uh, stoppage in funding for the federal government, that the IRS is still funded due to what we got from the Inflation Reduction Act. So we will still be working. People will still get paid. Everybody has been called what's called an accepted employee being expected to work. If you're on leave, you'll still be able to take your leave. Um, but if you're scheduled to work and we do have a uh, government shutdown, you will be expected to come to work. So, bottom, yeah, I'm glad we, we need to keep telling people that because you, I'm sure you still get questions on this. And we think we've mentioned this on just about every podcast we've done since that was announced by the commissioner, Commissioner Reddick, toward the end of his tenure. So, uh, yeah, keep in mind that uh, we'll, uh, the IRS will continue to work. But, you know, we, we do have the rest of the government needs to be functioning as well. And <laughs> if we are functioning and they're not, that's still not a good thing. So we certainly do want to avoid a government shutdown. And it would appear that at this point, uh, the leaders of Congress uh, do not want a shutdown. But here's something I saw the other day. Take this and do with it as you wish. Uh, the, the the House of Representatives is changing parties. It's a very small uh, margin, if, if you want to put it that way. But the Republican Party will take over where the Democrats have run uh, the House for a few years. I saw someone who's very knowledgeable just in general workings of government who said, do not plan any trip to, for instance, a national park on or after October 1, 2023. Basically, they're saying that there are people in that Republican caucus in the House who want another government shutdown. I mean, why? Heaven knows. Uh, so I found that rather discouraging to see. But it's, you know, we never know how things are going to go as the new Congress does convene next month. But at least one person who's been around a long time and looked at, at the government and what it does, how it works, and how the Congress works, is very concerned about the government continuing to operate after October 1 of 23. So that's not a good sign. No, it certainly isn't. And that's, you know, these folks are elected to, you know, it doesn't matter, regardless, irregardless of party. Uh, you know, they're elected to get funding done pass bills, things of that nature. That's their fundamental work. And I understand there are going to be disagreements. That's natural. That's normal. But there are compromises that have to be made in funding anything. 
whether it's a household, whether it's a small company, whether it's the federal government. There are compromises that have to be made so that the uh, work can get done, the business can get passed, and the funding can be there. And by, basically, if individuals, you know, regardless of what party or left, right, whatever, um, want to say, okay, I'm going to, you know, make it my business to shut the government down, that serves no purpose because it doesn't take care of the people who elected them, the American taxpayers. That, to me, is just not a way to try and advance your um, your thought process, what you wish to uh, you know, state to everyone. And one thing that and I, I don't want this to be a part, we try to stay away from partisan politics on, on this podcast for a lot of reasons, but I want to make one observation that I make as someone who studied political science in college. So far, ever since government shutdowns happened, I think one happened briefly in the late 70s, but they really started to happen in the 1980s and off and on since then. Ever since government shutdowns have happened, whomever pushed for and instigated and is responsible by the public or seen as responsible by the public of shutting the government down, the politicians who have done that have not gained politically. So it's like nobody ever learns this lesson. As you just said, you know, we elect these people, whatever party they come from, whatever their political philosophy may be, they have a responsibility to get their work done, make the compromises necessary, and pass a budget. And those who don't get that done are punished at the polls. I mean, not everyone, but generally that is the case. That's been the history. So I just think you know, we need to keep that in mind. And the people who elect us, we need to hold their feet to the fire and, and meet those expectations to get their job done. I think that's very well put because I, you know, I see some of the same data that you have and it just, there's, it makes no sense politically or otherwise to push for a solution that is shutting down the government. And speaking of budgets, one thing that's always tied to the budget would be a uh, the pay raise. Now, our pay raise is supposed to be effective the first of the year, calendar year, in January. That's when I, but actually, for years ago, it was in October uh, with the fiscal year, but I think it was sometime in the 1980s when the Congress just decided to make the pay raise a, a, a calendar year phenomenon. So it's supposed to be the uh, effective the first full pay period in the new calendar year. Well, because the budget is still. In in, in 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 well, there's an agreement, but we still don't know what the pay raise will be. The rumor, and you know what people are saying publicly, is that it will be a 4.1 percent across the board pay raise and a one half of one percent pay raise uh, tied to locality pay. I mean, that's what I'm still hearing. Uh, is that what you're still hearing? Yes, it is. It uh, the defense bill that just recently passed. Uh, had that for uh, the civilians in the armed uh, in the military, that 4.1 with a half percent for locality pay, and that's what we've been hearing uh, in you know talking to congressional staff, uh, congressional offices, the same thing. Uh, you know, we've been pushing for a higher raise because inflation is higher, and you know, folks. I hear from folks, and I'm sure my counterparts across the country hear from folks saying, well, you know, if inflation is 7%, we should be getting a 7% raise. Couldn't agree more. But as we've discussed on previous podcasts, 
you know, Congress votes for this raise and the highest that we believe we're going to be able to get this year, we've pushed for higher, but I don't think it's going to get any higher than the 4.1 with the half percent locality pay. And I certainly hope that that's going to come to fruition in these discussions uh, over the next day or two that the staffers are having on the omnibus bill. Couple observations. Number one, I want to repeat something I've said before. As a retiree, I want to tell you there have been many years since I've retired where employees got a raise and, and uh, retirees got either very little or no raise because inflation was low. And our raises and our annuities are tied to inflation numbers. Well, now we have a big inflation number for the first time, and I've been retired about 11 years, something like that. First time we've had a substantial raise in our annuity for a long time. So a lot of people say, why, you know, why are you a, a retiree's getting more? Because we have an automatic system tied to inflation. The employee raise is totally tied to the political system of what elected officials want to do in that year. So many, many years ago, there was a decision made to take the retiree annuity raise out of politics and put, make it an automatic system. So that's why you can, and as Duncan has said, you may not like that, but that is the way it is. And retirees have kind of been on the short end many years. We are getting a lot this year. So, you know, I mean, you're jealous of us this year, but we've been jealous of you in years past. Yep. They're just different systems, and uh, it would take an act of Congress to change that, just so people know. I want to mention one other thing. You've talked a couple of times about congressional staffers. One thing that I learned was just how important they are because I went to several legislative conferences that I that NCU puts on where you go to Capitol Hill, you make visits to uh, members of the Senate and the House. You don't meet with everybody, but you meet with the majority of, of the elected officials from Indiana when you go to these. And uh, I don't, I got a, a new appreciation uh, because. Uh, you deal with the staff. The elected official will meet with you occasionally. I've met with some, uh, I've not, uh, but it's 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 mostly you're meeting with the staff because the member of Congress is busy. Member of Congress is usually on the floor in committee meetings. If, if the member is there, they'll usually meet with you, but normally they're just not able to. So I've met with staff many, many times, and I must tell you, congressional staff, they are very professional people, highly educated, and they are grossly underpaid in a— yep. Living in a city like Washington, D.C., which is one of the most expensive cities in which to live in the entire United States. You know, I don't know how they do it. I don't know if they put three or four people to an apartment and room. I don't know how they do it. But it's, uh, they, they, uh, they are undervalued. And uh, it's true. What Congress, members of Congress and the Senate do is they go into a room and they, they generally come to an agreement and they tell the staff to write it up. So the staff, they have a lot to do with how final decisions are made. Uh, I, I think we all need to recognize that. And, and understand those sta- those members of, of congressional staff, That's they work hard and they don't get paid what they, I think, earn, really deserve or earn, but that's just my opinion. Moving on, let's go to talk about something that has created quite a stir within the IRS. It's not affecting anybody uh, we know of in Indiana, but it is affecting a few people around the country. And it has to do with how one particular series of revenue agents in the United States, what their grade levels are. And it's quite a story. Can you explain how what's happened and how we got to where we are today? I'll give it my best shot. How's that? Um, <laughs> That's we all had, we can ask for. O- o- <laughs> OPM uh, has notified IRS 
that they believe that there are a few positions in HCO, Human Capital Office, as well as the 512 series, which is revenue agents, that the IRS didn't properly vet or go through all the steps they needed to to raise the journey level, the level you can get to without having to compete um, on this. And so, you know, they're making the IRS basically justify what they've done. Um, this is something that came as quite the shock to uh, NTU nationally, as well as my brethren across the country, because we had no idea that there was anything, any problem with this. And our main, um, you know, our two-pronged approach at this is we want to make sure that, A, current employees who have, you know, gotten these career ladders aren't going to be harmed. They're not going to say, oh, okay, well, IRS screwed up, so now we're going to cut your pay and great. No, we don't want to see that happen. You know, if IRS did something incorrect, that's one thing, but we don't want to punish the employees who've done nothing wrong um, by having this impact them. The second thing is, is we want to take a close look to see uh, what exactly the IRS, what did OPM believe IRS didn't do in this process to, uh, so that we can help ensure that it doesn't happen again. We want to make sure that there are safeguards in there that everything is done properly. And this was, again, done during the pandemic. So, you know, because of everybody not working in the same office, short staffing, things of that nature, we don't know if this is a unique occurrence or what's happened. IRS uh, has said that they did not do anything wrong, that they believe everything will come out as it should. But the very fact that OPM is doing an inquiry to this definitely raises some eyebrows as to what exactly happened. And the interesting part of this is that NTEU had no idea this was going on. The national management at IRS didn't tell NTEU. Then the unions nationally kind of find out, found out about this by accident, if I understand the story correctly. Uh, that would be correct. Um, that's, and that's one of those things that communication – you know, I, I harp on communication a lot. Be transparent. Let people know what's going on. Like we try and let people know what's going on every week to give them information. Um, sometimes the IRS nationally will not let national NTU know what's going on. And so then we're all playing catch up instead of saying, OK, hey, look, when this first happens and the surges are great examples of that that we've talked about previously. If the IRS had come to NTU you know, right when they started noticing a problem with all the buildup and the returns and things of that nature, we could have worked with them to make things smoother. Instead, we get uh, hit with a fait accompli and it's just all screwed up. And that's what we're worried about again at this point, that the IRS really hasn't brought us up to speed. They were going to have meetings with employees that was just going to create more questions, more issues, more problems, um, because they didn't have, you know, give the information into you. So we could talk with them about this to try and uh, hit some of these questions and give answers to them before they're even asked. So IRS wisely has held off in you know, having these meetings, but I'm sure they'll be having them after the first year because naturally employees who are impacted by this, and they have been notified if they are impacted, um, want to know what the heck is going on and what's going to happen to them, which is absolutely natural. And those types of things should have been thought of before they rolled this out. 
And just to be clear, this only impacts a, a certain number of revenue agents within this series. It's not everybody in that series, correct? Correct. It is people who got their uh, grade 12 career ladder not competing for it uh, during the pandemic when they decided to raise this. So um, it impacts approximately 300 and uh, some revenue agents across the U.S., and that's SBSE, LBNI, TEGE, um, all the different divisions that have revenue agents. So a little over 300 uh, RAs. We're not sure, uh, I'm not sure how many in the HCO bargaining unit and non-bargaining unit are impacted, but I'm hearing it's going to be a uh, slightly smaller number there. So NTEU has not been involved in this until just late in the game. IRS says they did nothing wrong and they're going to go, they'll be okay at the end of this. We hope that's the case. Now, NTE doesn't really have bargaining authority in this, but we can represent employees if we think they've been messed over by the system, correct? Absolutely. And, and we want to see, you know, we would really like to see a peek under the hood on what OPM is saying it was the issue and did IRS do everything correctly? Because that's one of those things that we want to make sure that um, the current and future employees are not harmed. Right. You want to make sure the system in, uh, that IRS is using is not going to cause an issue like this to come up again. So what you're saying is this may have happened because of just everything going on uh, that is related to the pandemic. And uh, hopefully this won't happen again. First of all, we need to get this settled. You know, OPM saying IRS did it wrong. IRS is saying we know we didn't do it wrong. How is How does this get decided in the end or do we know yet? I don't believe we know yet. I think that IRS is going to have to present their data to OPM. And at that point, OPM will be making the decision on whether it was done correctly or not. What data is going to have to go there? What steps, what processes, and how much of that will be shared with National NTU? No idea yet. And just for people who may not know all the lingo, OPM stands for Office of Personnel Management. It's the HR operation for the entire civilian federal government. It makes the rules. It looks over all this. So OPM is a very important agency. Uh, and if you retire, it'll become a very important agency <laughs> yeah, because exactly. they have total control over your retirement. I can tell you all about dealing with OPM. There are some very good people at OPM, but they are just just like a lot of the rest of the government agencies and IRS being one of them. They're, they're just snowed under with work. And you just, yep. so anytime I deal with them, I always keep that other, but never blame the employee you're talking to or corresponding with. They're doing the best they can. So again, uh, nobody in Indiana is being Im impacted. I think you said one person might have been that's now left the bargaining unit. So there's nobody in Indiana right. impacted, but there's something like 300 or so uh, nationwide. So, uh, and it, you know, depending on how this ends up, th this is determined in the end. This could have an impact on what uh, IRS does in the future and what grade levels uh, jobs like revenue agents will have in the future is on their career ladder. Absolutely, for the revenue agents and the uh, folks in HCO, bargaining unit and non-bargaining unit who are impacted as well. That's right. There were some. I just I, I remember seeing that uh, message you sent me, and the biggest group was revenue agents, but there were several HCO jobs, many not even bargaining units, who were impacted. So it impacts a lot of people uh, in the government, particularly here at IRS. So we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated as we find out more. We mentioned uh, in previous podcasts that we have a nominee for IRS commissioner. His name is Danny Werfel. 
we're kind of hoping he might get a hearing before Congress adjourns. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. I think Congress will be adjourning before Christmas. They like to take time off, too, you know. That's a shock, Congress taking time (laughs) off. But uh, the new Congress will be sworn in. There'll be some new senators and many new and some new members of, of the House. They will all be sworn in. They will all organize and so forth before they can even get to work. Uh, and uh, obviously, the Werfel nomination is one that's totally in the Senate. The Senate has control over that. We're hopeful that there will be a smooth sailing there because Mr. Werfel has had government jobs before. He has been vetted before. So we we're hoping that. Uh, uh, unless somebody brings up something that's not related to him personally in his nomination, that he should uh, he should sail through. At least we're hoping that's the case. Yeah, and as you said, we're not. You know, we were hopeful that he might uh, get a hearing at the end of this year, but that's that's clearly not going to happen. So we're hoping by early next year, because you know, having an acting commissioner and the acting commissioner's done nothing wrong, that's fine. But we need permanency in uh, a commissioner spot in the head office. And that's why it's a five-year term, because they do want somebody who is able to do that. So, you know, if, if the administration is nominated, uh, you know, Commissioner-designate Werfel to be the man, um, let's go ahead and get the hearings done. And, you know, if he is, let's put him in place so he can start doing what he needs to do to help improve us, whether it's technology, um, you know, God help us, more hiring that's, you know, actually has retention, that would be good. If we could get some hiring with retention, that would be nice. Uh, Things of that nature that are uh, real needs here at the agency. And I think it's it's important. What you just said is very important. I want to point out something you just said that is of extreme importance. There's a big difference between having an acting commissioner and a permanent commissioner that's been confirmed by the Senate. Because when you have big decisions that have an impact on the future – Acting commissioners are are very hesitant to sign off on those decisions for obvious reasons. Uh, I I just think that we need to to have that confirmed uh, commissioner. And you're right, the five-year term has also been helpful, knowing that that commissioner will be there for a period of time. um, Helps in doing some long-term planning and making decisions that will impact not just what's happening now, but what may be happening a year or two or three. You mentioned some of those issues, so we're hoping Commissioner Werfel gets a hearing. Excuse me, gets a hearing. We, from everything we know about him, seems to be a very good man, and and hopefully he'll have a good relationship with NTEU once he's in office. That's that's what we're uh, very much hoping. Um, you know, the administration, including uh, you know Treasury Secretary Yellen, has been very clear that. She wants uh, NTU to have a voice in the IRS decisions. So we're hopeful that we'll be able, once he is uh, nominated and hopefully confirmed, um, that we'll be able to have a good working relationship with uh, Mr. Werfel. Switching gears again, you know, Duncan, I know you and I at one time were new employees at the IRS. And when you're a fairly new employee at the IRS, what you always recognize at this time of the year is that all the people who are senior to you are all gone. <laughs> they are all on leave. Chris, you're, I, I was sort of that way toward the end. And, and of course, once you get 15 years in, you get the eight hours uh, you accrue every pay period, so you accumulate a lot of leave. And there are many people that want to take time off during the holiday season, which means the less senior people end up doing uh, the work in the meantime. Some offices are 
are kind of at a skeletal level. Even toll-free tends to have a fall-off of, of telephone calls and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but one thing that has come up, and I would like you to say a few words about this, is that the acting commissioner has said that as we get into the end of the year, that managers should be showing much more flexibility on on telework, allowing people to be out of the office more than than they normally would. And yet we've found, sadly, some managerial uh, confusion on this. Tell us what you know. Yeah, that's one of those things that, uh, yeah, I'm, I know you're shocked at managerial confusion because there's such clear-cut guidance coming down from the top. Um, what happened was the acting commissioner said, you know, and this was basically almost in a statement from him that was buried, that, you know, in the news parlance, as I'm sure uh, you've used before, they buried the lead. And this was the important issue at the bottom was that folks who are, um, you know, only having to come in twice a week due to their flexible twice a pay period, excuse me, um, you know, and for the rest of the year until the first full pay period in January, unless there's a specific reason they, you know, they want to have a group meeting in person or something of that nature, or there's a business need, do not have to come into the office for those. They were basically waiving that requirement to come in. Well, depending upon the um, depending upon the division, the work that's done within the division, the type of group or anything like that, this has gone all over the place. You've had a lot of managers who have said, you know what, this is what the acting commissioner said. You know, don't worry about coming in the twice a pay period unless you need to to do some mailing or, you know, pick something up or something like that. Aside from that, don't worry about it. You've had others that have said, because of our work, um, you know, even though you're supposed to only come, you know, you're only coming in twice a pay period, you still have to do that twice a pay period because you need to. Um, and then there are others who are just all sort of all over the place. Well, you have to come in or you don't have to come in and this is what you need to do. So we're, we're hoping that most of this is getting ironed out. I know that I've talked to uh, management officials. I'm sure that uh, chapter presidents and national NTU has been talking to the business divisions or the executives or uh, senior managers in their area, talking to them about this, to making sure that as much as possible, employees who are uh, on this particular telework do not have to come into the office unless it's absolutely necessary. If it's necessary due to business reasons and business needs, that's one thing. Uh, but if it's just to make an appearance or do something for uh, we don't want to have form over substance is what we're looking at at this point, and I think that's what the acting commissioner was going for. Very good. So uh, that's at least uh, sort of an end of the year uh, thing that uh, that flexibility is has been enunciated by the the acting commissioner. Yes, I know all about all about burying the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, take the most important part. I remember the the, the newspaper is out of business now, but my father used to subscribe to a the newspaper, a weekly newspaper from his little town in Southwest Indiana where he grew up. And I remember that the the guy that the editor of the paper would show up at city council meetings, and he apparently never heard about bearing the lead or the pyramid they use uh, for journalism because when he would write about the city council meeting. He, he Everything was in the order of what happened. You start off with the approval of the minutes, say the Pledge of Allegiance or whatever. Then you, you know, whatever, you know, exactly in the order it happens. So if somebody had gotten up at the end of the meeting and shot the mayor, that would have been the last part of 
the meeting report he would have in his newspaper because that was the last thing that happened in the meeting. I mean, that was uh, there are still there were still people like that in little towns, and uh, too sad. It's really too bad because that that weekly newspaper went out of business a couple of years ago. It had been in business since the era of the Civil War, but uh, that's a whole other issue. One quick issue, Duncan, I want to talk about before we wrap it up. You know, there, we've been in a situation for about a two-year period during the pandemic where people were almost always working at home. I mean, that was the nature of the pandemic. We were trying not to bring people together so we didn't spread the, the uh, COVID-19 virus. Well, now we're getting together more in the office. And uh, I've noticed that there, uh, one thing, it's, it's good that people are getting back together in the office, having that uh, person-to-person relationship. But there are times when you get people in, back in the office where disputes happen. There's friction sometimes. And I think that uh, one thing that we want to point out is that when these sorts of things come to light, you know, NTEU tries to be part of the solution. So if you find a manager at a high level seeing a problem in a particular location, that management official is usually going to talk to the local chapter president, you know, getting involved in solutions to solve that problem. So we're seeing a few more of these around the country simply because of the nature of our work changing. We've been working at home. Now we're working together. It, it was hard to get used to just working at home. Now it's getting difficult to get back used to working together all the time. So just want to point out to people that uh, when NTU sees that happening and management does consult us, we work very hard to, to solve these workplace problems. Absolutely. And I would encourage, uh, you know, any senior managers or executives who have these types of issues across the country to reach out to your local chapter leaders, uh, your local chapter presidents, because we can absolutely help in trying to deal with this because the vast majority of the time it comes down to personalities. And like you said, it's, it's trying to get back into the mix of uh, working together. You know, if you're even coming in twice a pay period, everybody a lot of times is coming in on those twice, those same days for group meetings, things of that nature. And, you know, people are human. Disputes do come up and sometimes they can linger and fester and things of that nature. And we want to try and avoid that because, you know, everybody should be treated in a courteous and businesslike manner in the workplace. And we don't want to have anybody that's feeling uncomfortable in their own workplace. So bringing into you in and letting us know what's going on or us, you know, listening to us when we bring you these issues is extremely important. Let's do our uh, final comments. And I'll start uh, with a final comment about the holiday season. You know, Duncan, we've talked about this before. You want to make sure you enjoy the holiday season. You know, don't, don't don't get stressed out about the holidays. I happen to be from a very big family. You know, I'm the oldest of six. My father was one of ten. And when you have a big family, things can get complicated. But it can also be difficult if you have a small family. Or if you have family members that maybe, you know, don't always get along. I think what we need to do is also to look out for people who might be alone during the holidays, try to help them out, you know, bring them into maybe a family get together. If you know somebody's all by themselves for the holiday season, try to enjoy this, you know, whatever your religious beliefs may be, you know, Christians do celebrate Christmas at this time of year, but there are other faiths that also have celebrations around this general time of year. So let's just enjoy holidays however we choose to celebrate them. Enjoy them. Make it a family time and and, and uh, not a stressful time. Let, let's have some fun and, and enjoy the holiday. I, I couldn't agree more, Larry. You know, 
whether you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or any other uh, type of religious or secular spiritual festival this time of year, don't make it stressful. You know, that's, that's the, that is so on point, you know, and this is a time of to be together with family, friends. And if you have, like you said, if you have people that are going to be alone on Christmas or not have anybody to celebrate with, bring them in, you know, that just, just having a meal with somebody that can, that can really help people. And I know several people who, you know, have been alone for years and they make it a group get together, uh, you know, a bunch of people that don't have partners or children or things of that nature to do that. And I think those types of things are absolutely wonderful. You, you know, um, you just, you just want to make this the best time of year that you can. That's, that's what the spirit of the season should be is trying to be giving, trying to be relaxed, trying to be happy with your family, your friends, and and make them as comfortable as well without sitting there saying, "Oh, everything's got to be perfect." Because guess what, folks? It's not going to be perfect. You can't you can't manage everything, so just let it go. If things ever do uh, happen perfectly, would you let me know? I, <laughs> <laughs> that almost never happens. And this is okay. That's part of life, right? That's just part exactly. of, of of living. So you just heard Duncan Jaws, our chapter president. Duncan, enjoy your time off. Our uh, podcast will take uh, a bit of a break. We will be back in early January for our next podcast. In the meantime, uh, we will continue to update our Facebook page. You can like or follow our Facebook page if you wish. All you have to do is go to Facebook and just search under NTEU Chapter 49 Indiana. And you can follow or like our Facebook page. We try to keep it updated whenever there's news. We've had it updated a lot lately with the, the, the federal budget situation. So once again, we appreciate the fact that you have taken some of your time to watch or listen to our podcast. If you were not out there watching and listening, Duncan and I would not take the time to uh, produce this mostly every week, although we are taking this holiday break. So in the meantime, please enjoy your holidays. Be safe and be kind. <laughs>